Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio and boy, have I had a hell of a week. Um, I, I got, I got super food poisoning after <clears throat> hosting a party for my, hosting a work party. I got <clears throat> violently ill for the entire of last weekend, so, um, I'm mostly okay, I'm mostly okay though now, so that's very good. But, um, I hope that the last big weird fluctuation in, like, scheduling and whatnot. Um, this will be a much more normal episode instead of the, like, odder episode that I reached that was kind of just about Ikebukuro, the area of Tokyo, last week. I'm still, like, that's still an interesting thing I think I did there, so if you're at all curious about that episode definitely go listen to it i think it's worth it but that's me i'm and i'm clearly biased but on that note i want to jump right into what we're talking about this week and that is a little show that was announced in two from 2023 called shangri-la frontier anime considered Radio. Now, before we get into what I want to talk about with the show proper, I want to hand it off to I, as usual, to give us a lovely plot synopsis of the show so far, since it's actually not over. But on that note, take it away, I. Shangri-La Frontier started as a web novel by Katarina and was later adapted into a manga illustrated by Ryosuke Fuji, serialized in Kodansha's weekly shonen magazine. The anime adaptation offers a glimpse into the virtual reality game world of Shangri-La Frontier, following the adventures of Rakuro as he uncovers the secrets of the game. Now that we've got that out of the way, I want to talk about something that... I want to I come at this from left field a little bit, and I'll explain why along the way, I promise, or at least I hope I will. Um, I think what... And I'm going to start in a weird place. I think one of the best abridged series... Of recent memory, actually, it's the Jujutsu Kaisen abridged series on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, it's I find it hilarious, darkly hilarious. It gets at kind of this core fucked up humor that 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 show really has, but because of the way the original source material is written and because of the way the show is written. It never, like, leans in super hard to it. Like, it it gets at the fact that, like, Yuji is a weird little freak. <laughs> it gets at the fact that maybe Gojo shouldn't be in charge and all of this stuff. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because so much of anime is in the mold of, some, of a shonen thing. But the great shonen things can are usually played super straight, and they're then expanded on by the fandom to be this like kind of 
fan run thing and that and the most recent example that I can really point at is Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen has taken a has like has a fan culture that is really into like making drives making videos about Gojo um about Gojo um Ghetto and um what's their face? The um and Shoko going to sloppily going to a drive-through in Shoko's car when she can't drive and just bugging Udahime at her like Burger King drive-through job. That's a this is a real series of TikToks that I like followed <laughs> because it was so weird <laughs> and kind of tremendous and got and so when I first started doing panels, the very first um, panel room I did was one of the bigger panel rooms I've ever done. And I mostly filled it. I was stunned at myself. But what made me deeply, like, sad to my core <laughs> at the time was the panel before me was a bunch of teenagers essentially doing Bungo Stray Dog skits. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing about Bungo Stray Dogs that kind of ke that gives it popularity, but only kind of gives it popularity in the same way that Hitalia got popularity, is it is all it is it is so much driven by its characters and its story doesn't necessarily exist to help its characters along so much as the whole thing exists in, like, service of those characters and of those, like, personality types, from what I can see from the outside. I could be totally wrong. But the... My point there is, is that that kind of, like, skit culture and fan culture has been a part of anime since, like, time immemorial, so to speak, as... The resident old Taku. But there was a weird dividing line for a really long time. And I'm talking about this for a reason, and I'll get to it. And that was that, like, the the abridged series were the first the first huge one was done by um the the first huge ones were done by um I think it was Little Karibo was the one who did Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge, which is still phenomenal. <laughs> and um Team Four Star was the one that did was the was the people who did infamously Dragon Ball Z Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z abridged. They also I think they also did Helsing abridged, which is another infamous one. But at some point they became so professionalized at doing it that they with especially with Helsing Ultimate abridged, like Helsing Ultimate and Helsing Ultimately abridged. For most people, it's just all mixed together in one soup. That's all Helsing. It's all canon in most people, including my head. The the line, I fucked the fear turkey, might as well be said in the actual Helsing dub. The official one. The Bitches love canons is like a little far gone, but it's close, honestly. And kind of from then on, there was this steady progression into a odd thing that kept happening in an, in anime and in not necessarily shown in anime but definitely 
male audience driven anime. Uh, a great example of this is um, a show called My First, and I remember this from Twitter because it was fucking incredible that like I I put this out into the world and it came back at me. Um, in this show called My First Girlfriend is a Gal, I think it was. There was a character, there was like a preview in which one of the side characters just said the word cuck. Like, Foley was just like, we don't care how it's written, we don't care what he meant, we are, we are using the, for the dub, we're using the word cuck. And like, that felt very different to me because it was a, and this was, of course, perpetrated by Funimation. Funimation was where the people kind of pushed this. And the same people probably are now doing that for Crunchyroll, which had to do with Jangrela Frontier's dub. So that makes sense. But there's a kind of crossing of the wires there. And I, I tweeted out to um the to the I tweeted out at that point, like my heart goes out to whoever had to to whatever voice actor had to say the word cuck into a microphone <laughs> for my first girlfriend with a gal. Rough. That's a rough one. <laughs> and the actual voice actor added me and was like, it was, it wasn't great. <laughs> but my point there is that there's like, there can be this sense that outside of like, big shonen action things were running out of like fantasticalness and you see that in shows like and i'm going to pick two very sh two shows one will be significantly more controversial as soon as i say it than the other but you see that in shows like black clover and you see that in shows like demon slayer demon slayer black clover if you look at all the plot points of it is like a big tossed salad bowl of the shonen jump formula hits that came before it. You know, he wants to be the wizard mayor, just like Naruto wanted to be the ninja mayor. He wants, like, he has no powers. Like, uh, all of this stuff is, like, jumbled up and it makes Black Clover. And I watched 103 fucking episodes of that show. And... <laughs> It did not surprise, like, it was not surprising to me. It, like, I'm like, oh, this, this went, this goes exactly the way I think it's going to go every time. <laughs> but the thing that struck me about Black Clover, that, the thing that didn't strike me about Black Clover, that does strike me about this, is that, about Shangri-La Frontier, and I'll get to um, Demon Slayer in a minute, um... Is that there's a certain amount of like care and attention to the details of the subject matter that is in Shangri-La Frontier that feels like it's being made up as it goes on in Black Clover. And you can like Black Clover. I have no problem with you if you like it. I just think it's like it, uh, shown in anime, just like. It's like a shonen anime 
baseline kind of thing, and I, I'm not into that. I, similarly, Demon Slayer is a very cla- is a very by the numbers shonen jump story. It feels like it. It looks like it. It's like it's aping kind of the period of time before Kenshin. And say what you want about the animation quality or any of the like phenomenal things about that show. That show is a Shonen Jump formula show. And once you've done once you've done a ton of those shows, and once you've done a ton of isekais, and once you've done a ton of trapped in an MMO like Sword Art Online. People, creators specifically, start to think like, "Well, why does it need to be that person trapped there? Why, why can't this just be about someone playing a game? Like, why, why can't the fantasy world be stated as fake?" And um, what's his face? Um, Danny Mata over on um, Otaku's Anonymous, and Danny Mata and um, and Nick, um. The the got aka the Weeb Commander. I forget Nick's last name. I don't think I ever knew, but um, I probably did. I probably do. It's in my head somewhere. But anyway, they both kind of gave up on it because they were like, "This isn't super going anywhere." Like they, it, it just wasn't interesting to them because. And granted, I am much older than both of them, but. <laughs> they were like, "This is just the, like concept." The thing that. And this is, I find this true of a lot of younger anime fans. They get really excited about the conceptual quality of anime. Not what's on the screen in front of them. But the conceptual idea behind whatever's going on. And if that doesn't... And that's true for anybody, really. But if that doesn't grab some, some people, they just don't continue with it. And initially, I had dropped it, too. Because I'm just like, this is just your standard, you know fantasy anime except every once in a while they pull out to um to um the main character's weird family and and they, and to be clear like they make the main character's family legitimately weird like legitimately strange and we'll get I'll we'll get to that in a second but the the reason I went back to it was very strange. It, just very strange. The reason I went back to it was because I needed something to watch at lunch in in the office. And I needing something to watch um, at lunch was like, I don't want to watch something that's, that's subtitled because I'm, I'm eating... <laughs> I want to watch something that I have to, like, pay super attention to or that I feel like I don't want to, like, leave if somebody has a question or, like, if something comes up that I need to deal with for work. So I ended up just, like, diving back into Shangri-La Frontier. I didn't try and catch up. I, I knew where I ended, and I just dived back into it. And pretty quickly what I saw was an understand... was this kind of understanding... And I had started to see it when I when I first watched it, 
an understanding of video game culture that is really sophisticated, an understanding of, like, the quiet moments of video games. And uh, to illustrate this, I'm going to get into some spoilers. I'm going to get into spoilers anyway, but... So, spoiler warning from here on out. Um, to illustrate this, I want to first give you an example of something that happens in Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. In the, in the, at the very beginning of the second half of the game. So, spoilers for that, too, I guess. When you are... When you are... When you're... When you first wake up from the Temple of Time, because the first half of that game, you go through three different dungeons and then you go take a big nap basically for I think like five like some amount of time like some long amount of time but then you go to you go back to a place you go back to the place you used to used to come from you go back to your home you go back to the lost forest and eventually you get to the forest temple and every temple in ocarina of time has a specific song associated with it that you use to play the song to get transported to the temple for the um for the i forget what the song for the forest is called but um it is a song that you knew from your from your best friend Saria from the game from your best friend of the game Saria from before you left um Kokiri Village which is the very first area that you you wake up in that you're woken up in by Navi it's this really touching musical moment in a game full of these musical moments and like Eventually, she shows up and she sings it with you, you know, and that continue. That is a, a lot of that game is you learning these songs. That a lot of that game and a lot of um, of um, Majora's Mask also are you learning these songs along with these characters, and you have these really nice, touching, musically accented moments that. Even with the like constraints of the N sixty four and the old graphics, feel magical. <laughs> and especially as a kid, when I first played that, I was like, "This is this is incredible." And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because this show did that in a really odd, unexpected way. So um, there's a there's a setting in this show called Rabatuza and so like big boss Rabatuza takes a liking to the main character Sanraku and Sanraku is like okay I'm gonna go fight this big bad scary like unique monster in this MM in this VR MMO and he's like oh shit you know what let me make you some weapons and as he's making the weapons he starts to sing a song and it like you it's the song is ju is just composed right, and the scene is just set right that you feel that they understand. Like, oh, he's in a video game cutscene now. <laughs> like he like 
they have great moments in this in, in this game that don't remind you of it being a game just because there's menus all the time, just because of all this other stuff. There's great moments in this in this show that remind you of it being a game because they're intentionally reminding you, but they're reminding you in ways that are not like you know, like the the bad the bad store online ways where like everybody has a health bar and like all this other shit. No, they're reminding you with story pieces every time. When you so there's a, another scene where um and the leader guy's name is Vash, I think. But there's another scene where Emil, the like Sunraku's little like unique assistant rabbit helper has to leave the party and she gives him this like this thing called an ID shard it's a little necklace and it doesn't do anything but they make sure that the narrator in the background reads the flavor text and the flavor text feels like it's from a game like that. It feels like flavor text that is there for you to read it, but you don't necessarily have to. And they have a whole... So they they do some backtracking and they introduce new... They, they introduce a reason for another funny scene with an um, NPC character, basically. Um, by basically saying, like, uh, Sanraku, you dumbass, you skipped the starting town. <laughs> You're missing a whole bunch of information. <laughs> You're missing all this stuff that you could have been doing, you absolute moron. <laughs> but the thing that really captures it, the thing that captures it more than anything else in this show, and this the thing that was I was like, no, I'm I'm watching this now. Like this is this is the thing I watch at lunch until I run out of dub, until I run out of dub, dubbed episodes, and I give it a bit, and I watch again and I give it a bit and watch again the the whole dance because I just ran out of dub it dubbed after episodes today um at lunch like I watched one and I went to watch another one I'm like well no more so I gotta watch like Mashal I've also started Mashal but um the thing about this show is that it doesn't spend all of its time in the good game <laughs> it the premise of the show is as um as actually I didn't say interestingly is that Sanraku, the um main character, is a is a tr- is what they call a trash game hunter. And that's and that means that he likes playing bad games. Like, he just likes playing terrible games. It's a, it, and that's a thing you can totally see in, in like, happen in real life. Like, there are people who just, who just like, I know this game is awful, but I love it. Think about how many people play fucking Candy Crush. Um, that game is terrible. But people eat it up. Um... And so, like, that's a, that's a really identifiable, understandable quirk in, the, in a character. Now, they expand it out to, like, his entire family. Like, his, his sister is, like, a, 
like a f- a model and fashion obsessive to the point where it's a little weird. Her his mother is a bug collector. Just collects mostly butterflies from what I understand, but you're led to believe just bugs. And she's super strange. Her his his dad is like a weird fishing dude. <laughs> like has coveralls and the full the full like rubber rubber overall rubber um pants and overalls thing. It's wild. And when he's not and when he's trying to like, you know, work on his raw gaming skill, he leaves the like good game the like good game he's playing, Shangri-La Frontier, and he goes back to these like awful, broken, fucked up games that have like weird names, weird like fa- f- names that fans call them like Burp Online <laughs> because he's actually brushing up his gaming skills. And this is another reason that kept me here is and it's not true of everybody. It is true of me in particular, but not true of everybody. There are people who just have a kind of brain for video games. <laughs> a kind of a kind of brain for game mechanics in general. They they kind of understand the way everything works and like the way and they can like grasp it really quickly. And the way I know that that is me is when I was a when I was a teenager, not when I was like a preteen, it hadn't started happening yet, but when I was a teenager, I was the friend that like my best friend's brother would make her text me and be like, Can you get Alex to come over? I can't figure this out. <laughs> she was like, and I would get a te- I would get a text or a call from her. She's like, Hey, have you ever played like Gauntlet? I'm like, no. She's like do you think you could figure your way out of this part of the game? I'm like, probably. <laughs> it means we get to hang out, so like, I'll I'll be right over, I guess. And that happened all the time. <laughs> Another famous incident with um, my friend um, and fellow player in um, our in our um, mech-based TTRPG night, um, Anton is I'd never played um, the GameCube version of Mortal Kombat before. Of uh, I think it was Mortal Kombat. Or, uh, not Mortal Kombat. What's the one with um, Yoshimitsu? But anyway, a fighting game. And my Twitch reflexes were probably still fast enough to do, pull it off, but were just so fast that, like, I just beat my friends. I just whooped my friend's ass for <laughs> like an hour. <laughs> I have one in particular friend who would probably still be salty about it if I mentioned it because it was so one-sided. He was like, how? You know like three buttons. How are you doing this? I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm just good at games. And when, when we were playing, so we... Sometimes we like don't the one or one of us doesn't show up to the game nights because it's only three of us. It's only um four of us, but 
sometimes like Rowan can't make it, but we're all on the call, so we like go play board games on boardgames.com, which is a great fun time. But I forget what game we were playing, and Anton was like, "But Anton was like, you're you're getting very." You're getting very good very quickly. What's happening? I'm like, Anton, I'm just good at game mechanics. Like, I like I can just comprehend and experiment with game mechanics. And key point, I don't care if I lose. Like, I, it's not real life. I'm not particularly attached <laughs> to... The fake life of be of being in a game, winning or losing. I'm like, I'm here for the experimentation. I'm here for the hypothesis and theory and, ooh, what does this do? Shiny button. <laughs> and like, it occurred. He's like, oh yeah, you always re were really good at at video games. Like, yeah, I am. There's a reason for that, my guy. <laughs> um, and this. This show in its main character, Son Raku, has somebody who is that good at video games. Who can, who, and part of it is because he's played broken games all the time. But another part of it is he's just that good at it. And he, But it's a skill that he's honed and trained and continued to hone and train it reminds me so like I one of my a game I really, a game I've been into for a long time is Splatoon. I've liked Splatoon since Splatoon two on the Switch. Um only I drop off of stuff every once in a while and I just like I don't play it for a while. And then I come I find a way back in and it's this process of getting my sea legs back of like, oh, this is how it feels to like play this well. This is how it feels to, oops, not play so well. This is what it looks like. This is what good results are. This is what bad results are. But if you never stop playing, you, like, you get somebody like Sanraku. You get somebody like, um, like, um, like, like Pencilgon. You get these characters who are like they they play this game and they're great at it and that is that is so universally true of of most people who play games like you don't so i used to play this game um this fighting game called arms on the switch and i got to the point where i was playing it competitively and like i'm playing with one hand <laughs> i'm not going to like i'm not going to beat the the regional champion who I met, he's a real piece of work. Um, but I will give someone on his level like a real fucked up of a fucked up time of a match every time because the thing that like I had that at least no one I fought had was unbelievable. Rush timing and the and a rush is in that game. It's your like special meter. It's it's how you spend your special meter. So like I I hit people with my rush <laughs> like that never happened for other people. And people were always like like I would be fighting people who were had me dead to rights, and then like my rush would hit them and they'd be like, oh, I forgot. 
I should be careful. <laughs> my first, my first instinct of this guy showed up and he only had one hand to play with. I should be afraid. Was correct. <laughs> and this, this show captures the reason. The reason why I find myself liking watching this show, even if it's only at lunch, and actually kind of saving it for lunch because it's like a fun. Like I get to like jump back into this dumb thing. For my like while like shovel food in my face <laughs> is um then it captures that like real truth of playing a video game of of playing a video game and being really good at playing that video game, but also like not being competitive good but like really good and so much of the other like. MMO things do that well, like um, Sora Online Alternative Gun Gale Online does that pretty well. But the thing about think about all of the think about a lot of them is they and this is especially true of Gun Gale Online of the Gun Gale Online one. It it by the end it figures out a way to introduce. Life-threatening stakes. And it... It doesn't need that. So the... So the... And, and like I said, Shangri-La Last Frontier is not finished by any means. I think it's the 24 episodes that I'm like smack dab in the middle. But I also... After watching, I'm like, I kind of know what the deal is with this show. And I'm not mad at it for having a very specific deal, but I, you just know what it is. In the same, in almost the opposite same way that you know what Black Clover is, you know what Shangri-La is, but you enjoy seeing it happen because it's better thought out than it should be that then it could have been to accomplish the same goal and and my big my big point in that category is the song where vash is modifying sean raku's weapons and you hear the like theme song come in in the background you hear him start to sing it as he's hammering away at these weapon at these dual blades and every time he hammers these like magic circles bounce up and down out of the blades and it's just you can hear the you can hear the you can see the text bubble <laughs> that would happen when if you were in like a PlayStation 2 style um, Kingdom Hearts style thing, and you were going back check on your weapons. You would you would walk in. You would like walk your character in the room. And you'd hear like the song go going, and then you'd like walk up to him. You'd press the talk button, and you'd get a little pop up. Get a little pop up speech bubble that said, "He seems engrossed in work." Maybe you should check back later. And that... 
that vibe can be missing, and when it's missing, you feel it. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. Um, on that note, I think I'm going to cut it a little short here. Because we're at 35, you'd only go 10 minutes more. But um, So if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every currently every Thursday. I dropped the new show because I was kind of underwhelmed with it. But, and overwhelmed with the rest of life. Sorry. But, um, new shows, new shows come out every third day currently. And they're usually like this, about a show or property or movie or something. Um, if you really like the show, make sure you subscribe to it in whatever your anime listening, your anime podcast listening app of choice is. I have been Alex, this has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you next time.